Research is one of the most important parts of a simple marketing strategy, but if you haven't got the deep pockets of a big corporate, it's not practical, is it? This week, we're going to look at how to do simple research on a tight budget. Welcome to episode 189 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Hey folks and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you as always for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plug me and my guests into your earphones. This week it's just me and the mic talking about market research. Last week, I was over in Romania in the beautiful city of Bucharest, giving a speech at the Internet and Mobile World Conference. Wow, this was an epic event. It was gigantic. Lots of people exhibiting, lots of people speaking, and the atmosphere was amazing. But having delivered my fighting complexity and marketing speech yet again, I'm more convinced than ever that the word simplicity translates into every conceivable language because everybody out there seems to make it so complicated and customers are just crying out for simplicity. And the best way to work out what customers want is research. But as I've said time and time again on this podcast, one of the problems with marketing these days is people just want to dive straight into the communication. They want to start emailing, they want to start vlogging, they want to start making videos, they want to start doing podcasts, they want to start blitzing messages out to the customers. We've got to work out what the customers want before we can start communicating with them. Regular listeners of the Marketing Finance Podcast will know about my simple formula for coming up with a marketing offer. Answering three questions, who's your customer, what's their problem, and how do you solve their problem better and differently than anybody else? In order to answer those questions, you need an in-depth knowledge of the customer. You also need to know about the market and your competitors and what they're up to as well. Let's look at the first question, what is their problem? We could also ask, what are their needs? I've seen this referred to by other marketers as customer pain points. Neither the word problem or the phrase pain points is ideal, actually. They both conjure up negative images. And the customer needs don't necessarily need to be negative. I mean, a customer need is getting hungry. And and solving that need is giving them something to eat. That's not a negative customer pain point. So why call it a pain point? I guess despite the negative connotation, describing it as a problem or as a pain point at least allows you to put together a solution to that problem or to that pain point. And most people understand problems and solutions. The best way to find out what problems our customers face, what their pain points are, is to talk to them. And that means research. Good, old-fashioned research. Now, once again, research is often perceived by many as another of the complicated sides of marketing. Academics and marketers in big corporates will talk about qualitative and quantitative research. Research questionnaires involving hundreds and thousands of people. They'll talk about focus groups. 
All these approaches are entirely valid. Many of the best marketing campaigns in history have detailed research underpinning them. Answers to thousands of questionnaires provide data companies can mine for insights. And focus groups can also be an invaluable source of customer insight and feedback. <laughs> I've been involved in focus groups, looking at product concepts, strap lines for advertising campaigns, storyboards for actual adverts, and words and images for individual pieces of literature. One of my first bosses was an absolute stickler for research. He wouldn't allow us to put together as much as a one-page sales aid unless we'd researched the content, including words and titles. Admittedly, we didn't always take these to focus groups, but we always made sure we spoke to some potential customers, even if this was just a few people round a table over lunch. Personally, I've always been quite a big fan of the focus group. I admit it can be great fun turning up to listen to the discussions between potential customers, but you must be careful with your questions and you need a good moderator. I found people often tell you what they think you want to hear, or they give you the politically correct answer. They might not want to tell you what they really think especially in front of other people. Quite often, the venues for focus groups involve two-way mirrors. Is it or is it a one-way mirror? Two-way mirror would be a window, wouldn't it? Anyway, it allows people who commission the research to sit behind the mirror and watch the participants talking to each other without the participants actually being able to see the people watching. Usually, the moderator of the discussion will let the participants know members of the company are lurking behind the screens watching them. They'll keep the name of the company confidential so as not to bias the discussion. If the participants know who the company is that's doing the research and they have any negative dealings with the company, it may invalidate the entire discussion if they bring personal grievances into the room or try to influence the opinions of others. I remember once attending a focus group and sitting behind that two-way mirror and the moderator opened the session and said, just to let you know that there are members of the company, and he actually named the company I worked for, sat behind the two-way mirror watching us chat. As soon as he named our company... The moderator knew he'd made a mistake. Now the participants knew who was running the research session before it even started, and we knew their answers and discussions would be biased. In another session, sat behind a two-way mirror, I remember the venue gave the participants a few glasses of wine. I guess the idea would be to break the ice and make them more relaxed and open up a bit. Whilst most of the participants sipped their one glass of wine during the session, one gentleman kept refilling his glass every few minutes. As the session went on, he became more and more drunk. His language became fruitier than the wine he was drinking. He started making inappropriate comments about the storyboards the moderator was showing him. Soon, his language became offensive. We had to send the security guys in to pull him out before he could do any serious damage. I'm sure in every focus group I ran after that, we stuck to a strict no-alcohol policy. As good as extensive quantitative and qualitative research is, including focus groups, it is, of course, very expensive. It's often beyond the budgets of small companies and sole traders. But to put together a marketing strategy, we need to understand our customer needs. Research is therefore essential. We can't build a marketing plan based on guesswork. But in the same way the digital world gives everyone access to video and audio through mobile technology, so we can do research at a fraction of the cost we'd have paid 10 to 20 years ago. Ideally, we should conduct research to discover our customer needs, which will inform us how to build our products and services. We should then consider research to check how well our products and services meet those customer needs and how to stand out and beat our competitors. 
Once we have our product and service and we start to put together our marketing communications activity, ideally, again, we should research the language, the headlines, the strap lines and some of the copy we use in that activity. This doesn't have to be multi-million pound quantitative and qualitative research with focus groups and massive questionnaires, but we should be speaking to some of our customers all the way through the process of putting together a marketing strategy. Just a word on the difference between qualitative and quantitative research. We do qualitative research to get a good understanding of opinions, reasons and motivations. We want to get insights into the problem we're investigating. Focus groups and individual interviews are the best examples of qualitative research. Research. Quantitative usually happens after the qualitative research to get to the more usable statistics and data to back up and justify the findings of the focus groups and the individual interviews. This type of research often involves surveys, mass telephone interviews and online polls. If your budget is small, it's probably best to favour qualitative over quantitative. If you're running a local business, you'll be able to host discussion groups with your ideal customers. For the price of a coffee or lunch, you might gain the valuable insights you need. I've heard of chefs wanting to open restaurants running cookery classes to try out recipes before finally opening the doors to paying guests. Fitness instructors or personal trainers have run free demonstrations when developing new classes. Genuine feedback from ideal customers is gold dust when it comes to refining your offer and most important, how you can make it stand out from the competition. Having massive amounts of data isn't always an advantage though. To get to the insights, you need to be able to interpret that data. The Market Research Society says, it's better to have a thousand pieces of good data analysed by a human being than a million pieces of bad data analysed by a machine. It's the insights we want if we are to make the breakthrough that will inform us how we can solve our customers' problems better and differently than anybody else. So let's have a look at some of the cost-effective ways we can research the needs of our customers. And we can use the same methods to later research our products and services to measure how they stand out from the rest. And later still, we can use the same methods again to check our marketing communications activity. First, look for free resources on the internet, perhaps the census, which many countries conduct every 10 years or so. Local authorities might also have information you can look at. The Royal Mail in the United Kingdom has a mass of data available. We can also try Google Analytics and Facebook Insights. Second, don't forget a good Google search. There's a mass of information out there about your markets and other markets you're interested in. In fact, the main problem you'll have is not a lack of information, but too much of it. When we do research, we're looking for insights which we can use to create a great solution to a customer's problem and a competitive advantage for your business. We must be careful to take a balanced view of what we read on the internet. It would be easy to find plenty of information to support a certain viewpoint, but this can lead to confirmation bias. Third, we can listen to social media. Yeah, listen. That might seem like an odd thing to say when most marketers use social media to send out broadcasts, effectively adverts for their stuff. But remember, social media developed as a conversational tool before it became a marketing platform. Real people are out there having conversations about the things they're interested in. They might be talking about their problems, what products they use to solve those problems, which are the best and why, which are the worst and why, and how much they cost. Sometimes, instead of using social media to broadcast, we must shut up and listen. 
If you have a large following on a social media platform, you could start by asking questions and compiling answers. You could take it further and use social media to invite people to take part in a one-to-one interview over Skype or FaceTime or maybe a video discussion group. You might have to give them an incentive to get involved, run a competition or a giveaway, If you keep it local, you could arrange a meeting in a coffee shop, pub or restaurant. Even if you don't have a large following, you can still use social media to listen to what people are saying about your market and the products in it. Many big corporates monitor keywords based on their brand and product names to get a flow of opinions and data. They'll even watch misspelt versions of their brands or look for this, in inverted commas, brand sucks. Twitter has a powerful search engine you can fine-tune and listen to what people are saying. We can find out the questions people are asking about a subject by simply adding a question mark after the search term. So if your search term was coffee shop and you'll have put that in inverted commas so it looks for coffee shop as one collective as opposed to separate word coffee and separate word shop, add the question mark and it will return to you a load of tweets where people have framed a question which includes that search term. And Twitter's so much more advanced than that. You can search in certain countries. You can drill down into certain cities. In fact, Twitter search is a whole separate podcast episode on its own. Using social media to listen to what people are saying not only gives us insights that can help us put together our offer, they also guide us in what content and promotional material we'll need to put together later. Because remember, good marketing communications answers the questions people are asking about your products and services. The fourth method of conducting research is to send out a survey. Thanks to systems like SurveyMonkey, we no longer need to hire specialist research companies to do surveys for us. We can put together our own questionnaires and either send it to our own mailing list, if we have one, or take part in the customer lists offered by the survey company. We'll be able to specify the characteristics of our ideal customer so we can be confident of talking to the right people. Systems like SurveyMonkey offer free versions, but for the best results, you're looking at a small cost for running the survey and perhaps an incentive to encourage people to fill in the questionnaire. During my marketing career, I've run research projects with large research companies costing tens of thousands of pounds. Today, we could do a similar exercise for a fraction of the cost. If you have a mailing list, offering a prize for anyone who fills in your survey is an effective way to increase the number of people who click through. For the Marketing Finance Podcast, I've run an annual listener survey. It's only been a maximum of 10 questions, but it's helped me to shape the topics I've covered and the guests I've invited onto the show. The prizes I've offered included quality champagne, business books and cinema vouchers. Let's start asking questions and start understanding our customers' problems and pain points. A couple of other things to bear in mind as we start asking. It's easy to ask questions during research to get the answers that we want rather than the ones that genuinely reveal insights. Remember, we're always looking for insights. We want to try and get to the why. Yes, we want answers to our questions, but we want to understand the motivations behind the answers. Asking open-ended questions and allowing people to inject emotion into their answers gives us more insights and more chance of spotting a breakthrough idea. And it's those breakthrough ideas that we want, which will allow us to come up with our offer, which is better and different than our competitors. 
So I hope you've enjoyed this little canter through ways that we can do research even on a tight budget. Research is so important as we put together our marketing strategy. I really can't emphasize that enough. And in the modern world where everything is about digital communication, it's often easy to forget how important research is. If you need help with your marketing, I'm here to help. Just get in touch. Look me up at rogeredwards.co.uk and let's have a chat. You might be looking at putting together a marketing strategy. Maybe you're just planning your content and social media. I'd love to help you. Get in touch. Let's have a conversation. We can hop onto Skype. We can hop onto FaceTime. It's your choice. Next week, it'll be back to the interview format. So thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.